You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. What you say matters. What you say has power. And that's today's truth from James. Good advice for hard times. Now, Thomas Edison once said this, confidence in oneself is the key to success. We should never give up and believe ourselves to become successful. Now, Edison was known as one of the greatest, if not the greatest inventor in American history. He acquired a record 1,093 patents. He was the driving force for the earliest motion picture cameras. And so we can give a shout out to Edison for what we're being able to do today. Amen. <laughs> and so with that, Edison was also uh, one of the world's created one of the world's first research laboratories and he was known as the wizard of Menlo Park. He became one of the most famous men by the time he reached his 30s. In addition to his uh, inventions and his talent, Edison was also a successful manufacturer and businessman who was highly skilled at marketing his inventions and himself to public. But none of it might have been possible had it not been for the words spoken by his mother. You see, Edison tells a story of one time when he was a child that a teacher gave him a note, and the teacher said, only let your mother read this note. So Edison took the note home, and he gave it to his mother. His mother began to read the note, and she became emotional. And so right after she became emotional, she began to read the note, and she read it in a loud voice. And this is what it said. Your son is a genius. The school is not up to his caliber, and so we cannot hire a teacher to teach him, so please teach him at home. And so years later, uh, as Edison was going through some things, his mom had passed away, and he was going through some of her things, he came across that very note in one of her drawers. So he opened up the note, and he began to read it. And what he read was something that he couldn't believe. The teacher had actually written this. Your son is mentally ill. We won't let him to come to school anymore. And so Edison was so moved by what, he, what she had done for him, he wrote this in his diary. Thomas Alva Edison was a mentally ill child that by a hero mother became the genius of the century. So what does James say about the power of our words? So we're going to look in James uh, chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 2 through 12. This is what James said. He said, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If he, we put bits in the mouth of horses so that they can obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. 
How great a forest fire is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, straining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. And set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and our Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so." Does a spring for, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So what is James saying? Well, first, he's saying this, what you say matters. In verse 9, he says that the tongue not only praises the Lord and Father, but it also curses humans who are made in the likeness of God. In other words, what he's saying to us is that oftentimes there is discrepancy in how we speak. Now, here are some interesting facts about words. If you include scientific words, there are over one million words in the English language. Now, the average person knows about 20,000 words and uses 2,000 of those words on average during the week. Now, women and men uh, on a daily use speak about 16,000 words. Now, we know which sex drives that average up when we're talking about people who speak, right? So I think sometimes we speak so many words each day that we can easily get and fall into that trap that we believe that not every word matters. In other words, I speak so many words that maybe the few things that I say that maybe aren't so good will get covered up by the many other words that I say. But hear me today, every word you speak matters. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37. He said this in the New Living Translation. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now get me, did you hear what Jesus just said? The words matter because out of the overflow of your heart or out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, it puts it in a, things in a different perspective when you and I realize that, that words matter because out of the overflow of the heart, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, everything speaks. And so it gives you and I that realize that we're going to give an account for every word spoken. And what we say shows what's in our hearts. Now, according to the work of John Gottman and Robert Levinson, who closely studied negative, uh, negativity with couples, this is what they say. They suggested that there is a ratio of five 
to one when it comes to negative versus positive. Meaning that for every negative encounter, there should be a minimum of five positive ones to counterbalance the effects of the first one. This is what they said. In a sense, trauma has no true opposite concept. This is what the article's author said. A single traumatic experience can have a long-term effect, uh, an experience that has an effect on the person's health, well-being, attitude, self-esteem, anxiety, and behavior. And many such side effects have been documented. So again, hear me. Not only do we see from scripture that, that, but we also see from studies that what we say matters. Well, the year was 2010. My niece, who was kind of going through a bit of a struggle in Ohio, came to live with Michelle and I for a period of time. One day, she comes to me and she tells me, she says, that Timothy, my youngest son, she said, he, with a bunch of kids in the youth group, had said that I called him a loser. <laughs> now, she said, look, uh, Uncle David, I stood up and I told everybody, Timothy, that's not right. There's no way that your dad called you a loser. And so I began to think about conversations that I had with him uh, just recently. And I began to think about one particular conversation I had with him that was kind of a tough conversation. It was a conversation about homework and schoolwork and how he was doing in school. And I remembered in that conversation telling him that as long as he was doing what he was doing currently, that how he was doing in school was going to permeate every area of his life. In other words, he was going to continue to struggle in other areas if he didn't get a hold of that. Now, I didn't call him a loser, but hear me. What he heard from me was, you are a loser. It's not what I conveyed, but it was what I thought I was conveying, but it's what he heard. Do you see why what we say matters? Now, rest assured, uh, we had a conversation after that because I did want my son thinking that, that I called him a loser. And we wanted to make sure that what he heard was never the intent of my heart. And it was never what I was trying to hear him. So what he heard me say was not what I intended for him to hear. So what you say matters. And why? What you say matters because, as James said, what you say has power. Now in James chapter 3, verses 3 and 5, this is what James says. He says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they're so large and driven by strong winds, they're, ste they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set on fire by a small spark. So what James is trying to do there is give us some images or get us to understand the power of the tongue and that the tongue has incredible power. I mean, who's not impressed with the power of a horse? 
And you know, as I was going through this, it reminded me of a time that Michelle and I went on a pastoral retreat. And we went to the Amish uh, hill country in uh, eastern Ohio, just east uh, of Columbus. And we spent about five days there. It was an incredible time to get away and spend time with each other and be with the Lord. And while we were there, in the field of the house we were staying at, uh, there were these Amish working horses. Now, these were really large horses, not just your everyday type of horse. And one of the cool things was that one of the horses, so there was a, there was a mother horse and a baby horse. Now you can imagine the baby horse was about the size of a regular horse, but it was, it was a baby. It wanted to have fun. And I remember getting into the uh, field, Michelle and I both went in there and we were petting it and we were having it, but it wanted to play. And so we started kind of running around with it. Well, let me tell you something, the power of that horse, it like knocked me over a couple of times, just having fun bumping into me. I'm here to tell you, the power of horses are pretty incredible, and it hurts like crazy. But we all are impressed by the power of horses. He also uses the image of a large ship that is, that is put on the right path by a rudder. Now, a rudder is so minuscule compared to the size of the ship. But without that rudder, you could not steer the ship away from rocks, coral, or even icebergs. And then the final image, a forest fire caused by a small spark. You know, being right here from Tennessee, there's no better example of this than the Gatlinburg fires in 2016. It ended up killing 14 people, injuring 190 more. The damage of those fires is estimated at over $500 million. There were 2,460 structures that were damaged or destroyed and 17,136 acres were burned. Now, again, Michelle and I were there this, Octo this past October, and we, we stayed on the outskirts of Gatlinburg. You can now, five years later, still see the burned out effects of those fires from 2016. But all of this was from two juveniles that started a fire on the chimney top trail. And there's no way that those two thought a small fire that they set as a childish prank would end up causing such catastrophic damage. And so you can see that there is power in what we say. You know, when uh, Michelle and I w went to the, our church in Indiana in 1998, uh, it was a restart, a reboot, if you will say. They called it a revitalization at the time. And when we began, they set a budget for us. Now, this is going to probably be a, a little crazy, but our budget for the entire church and my salary was $3,000 a month.
And what the district in Indiana would do is we would have, uh, we would have our tithes and offerings come in every month. And what they would do is, is they would give us whatever we needed to get to that $3,000 mark. And so there were times early on, especially, we needed more, more money. But this started in March of 1998. In April of 1999, I received a letter from the district. And this is what the letter said. The letter said, we believe that you are in a position that you will be financially on your own really soon. So we're not going to be taking care of your budget anymore after this month. I remember taking that letter and standing in front of the small congregation. We had grown from four on our first Sunday. In that first year, we were running about 50 after a year. And I remember standing up in front of everybody and I held the letter up and I said, this is what the district is saying to us. And I said, we have two ways to look at this. We can be fearful and be like, oh no, what are we gonna do? We don't quite have enough money coming in to meet the budget. Or we can say, they know something that God knows and that's what I trust to believe in. And would you know that within two weeks, Two new families started coming to the church and tithing, and we didn't even need any money from the district that next month. Can anybody give God some praise? Amen. God is so good. Well, Solomon says this in Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Did you hear that? Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, said that the tongue has the power of life and death. And so when God began creation, what did he do? When there was nothing, it was a void. There was, he called light. He said, let there be light. He said, and so he used the power of the tongue to begin creation. God chose that to bring everything into existence. You see, there's power in what you say. Now, there's a story of a group of frogs that were traveling through the woods one day, and two of them fell into a deep pit. Now, when the other frogs saw how deep this pit was, they told the two frogs, you might as well just die. You're never going to get out of that pit. Well, the two frogs ignored the comments at first and they began to jump and try to get out of the pit. The other frogs kept yelling and telling them, look, just go ahead and die. You're never going to get out of this pit. And so finally, one of the frogs took their advice and just turned over, croaked, and died. But the other frog just kept jumping. He just kept jumping. And the other frogs seemed to get even a little more riled up. And they began yelling even louder, just give up and die. But the other frog didn't do it. He just kept jumping and kept jumping. And finally, he got himself out of the pit. Now the other frogs looked at him and said, did you not hear us telling you to just give up and die? And with that, the frog reached in and pulled mud out of his ears and said, hey, I couldn't hear a word that you were saying because I had mud in my ears. All I could see was you yelling and I thought you were encouraging me to jump out of the pit. You see, words have immense power. 
They have the power to encourage, and they have the power to discourage. You see, what we say matters because what we say has power. And here is the redeeming aspect of what James is wanting us to get about this truth. All of what you say can be life instead of death. It can be praise instead of curse because of the power of the cross. You see, when we place the tongue, in other words, what we say, under the authority of Christ, and we show what is going on in our heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, we show that our heart is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And here's the great thing. You can do this today. Maybe you've never accepted Christ, and because of that, what you say is torn down instead of lifting up. Maybe you've accepted Christ in the past, but you've never placed your tongue under the authority, under his authority, and therefore you struggle to speak life and praise instead of death and curse. So how about this? Why don't we just begin to give everything to the Lord, put it under his authority, and let's begin to speak life, and let's begin to speak praise. Amen. Father, right now, we thank you, Lord, for those that are listening right now, and maybe they've never given their hearts to you. Father, today is the day, Lord, that they can ask you to come into their life. Lord, that you can begin to transform them so that they can speak life and praise. And Father, for those who have given their hearts to you in the past, and maybe they've struggled with what they say, Father, I pray right now that they would just give their tongue under your authority. And Father, once again, just begin to speak praise and life. Father, we thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.